Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, speaker, teacher, and author of four books on joy. If you are searching for more joy in your life, join me for about 15 minutes every week. It could change your life. My newest series is called Esther and Turnaround Joy and is based on my book, Esther for Such a Time as This, Prayer, Reversals, and Joy. It has an imprimatur and a built-in study guide. Why not invite a friend or small group to join you in listening? Then meet over coffee every week to go through a chapter and grow in joy together. The podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Hello. Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, and you're listening to Esther, Episode 10, Joy, Celebrating God's Goodness in Purim. Today, the book of Esther reminds us of the importance of remembering God's goodness. When we recall what God has done, we are strengthened in faith, inspired to trust Him more, and encouraged with hope. Jewish families take this to heart, and in the case of their Feast of Purim, they annually remember that God has delivered them and will continue to supernaturally deliver them. Join our podcast today and be encouraged to joyously celebrate God's goodness and all that He has done for you, for us, for our nation. In our last podcast, King Ahasuerus gave Mordecai his signet ring and the authority to write whatever he wanted to in order to reverse Haman's edict to annihilate all Jews. Approximately two months and ten days after the first decree was issued, Mordecai wrote the second edict, which empowered the Jewish people to defend themselves against their enemies. The turnarounds were astounding, including Mordecai was a lowly government worker and became highly honored and ranked next to the king. Or the king commanded all to bow to Haman, and then the king honored Mordecai with robes and a horse throughout the city. Or Haman's edict was destined to plunder and annihilate all the Jews. But Haman's property was given to Esther and to Mordecai. The king told Haman to do as he pleased, and the Jews did as they pleased to those who hated them. The king commanded all to bow to Haman. And in Esther 6, the king honored Mordecai with robes and a horse and declared his greatness throughout the city. Or Haman's edict destined Jews for plundering. But in Esther 7, Haman's property was given to Esther and Mordecai. Or the king told Haman to do as he pleased, and in Esther 7, the Jews did as they pleased to those who hated them. Or the king promoted Haman and gave him his signet ring. And in Esther 8, the king promoted Mordecai and gave him his signet ring. Haman built gallows to hang Mordecai. And in Esther 8, Haman hung on his own gallows. Haman's edict was sealed with the king's ring and sent to kill all Jews. In Esther 8, Mordecai's edict was sealed with the king's ring, giving the Jews authority to defend and fight. Haman's edict becomes the law. In Esther 10, Mordecai's edict becomes a decree that all must obey. The city of Susa was thrown into confusion. In Esther 8, the city rejoiced. Mordecai wore sackcloth and mourning clothes in Susa, but in Esther 8, Mordecai wears royal robes, a crown, and a mantle displaying his great power. Mordecai wails in disgrace at the king's gate. And in Esther 8.15, Mordecai is honored while all of Susa rejoice. Or the Jews mourn in sackcloth and ashes, but in Esther 8, 
They celebrate a time of light, gladness, joy, and honor. And the Jews fast and lament. And in Esther 8, the Jews celebrate with a festival and a holiday. And the Jews are weak, dispersed in Persia. But in Esther 8, the Persians fear the Jews and profess conversion. You can go to my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, or my book, Esther for Such a Time as This, Prayer Reversals and Joy, to see all 15 plus more. Today, we will cover the last chapter of Esther on how the people continue to receive the grace and the authority to defeat those enemies who still want to kill them. Let's read Esther 9, 1 through 17. Now, in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, when the king's command and edict were about to be executed, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain power over them, but which had been changed to a day when the Jews would gain power over their foes, the Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who had sought their ruin, and no one could withstand them because the fear of them had fallen upon all peoples. All the officials of the provinces, the satraps and the governors and the royal officials were supporting the Jews because the fear of Mordecai had fallen upon them. For Mordecai was powerful in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces as the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. So the Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, slaughtering and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 people, but they did not touch the plunder. The very day, the number of those killed in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, In the citadel of Susa, the Jews have killed 500 people and also the 10 sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? it shall be granted you. And what is your request? It shall be fulfilled. Esther said, if it pleases the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict, and let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed 300 persons in Susa, but they did not touch the plunder. Now the other Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and gained relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they laid no hands on the plunder. This was the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th day they rested and made that a day of feasting and gladness. Well, isn't that interesting? The queen's second request, after the first day of holy retribution, likely saved the Jews from future annihilation. Esther may have heard that many more enemies among the Agagites in Susa would try to attack and kill the Jews. Hanging Haman's sons on high gallows would be a warning to all of Susa that any future attackers and enemies of the Jewish people would be treated the same way. You may wonder, what about those three repetitions of, and they did not plunder, they did not plunder? Well, plundering 
the goods of their enemies was something that sometimes happened in war. To plunder means to steal goods and valuables from a place during war for your own profit. The Jewish people did not plunder or steal goods from their enemies. Haman was an Agagite and descendant of Agag, king of the Malachites. In 1 Samuel 15, God told King Saul to destroy Agag. Instead, King Saul did not kill Agag, but plundered the property of his enemies, resulting eventually to more years of terror. In Esther 9, the Jews remembered this violation of God's command. Thus, they acted in holy retribution and self-defense, but did not enrich their own lives by taking plunder. The Lord had made it clear to their ancestors not to confuse protecting themselves from annihilation with waging a war designed for their own profit. Okay, let's read a few more excerpts from Esther 9:18 through 10:3. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day and on the 14th and rested on the 15th day, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who live in the open towns hold the 14th day of the month of Adar as a day for gladness and feasting, a holiday in which they send gifts and food to one another. Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, enjoining them that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and also the 15th day of the same month, year by year, as the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday, and that they should make them days of feasting and gladness. So the Jews adopted as a custom what they had begun to do, as Mordecai had written to them. Haman the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast poor, that is the lot, to crush and destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he gave orders in writing that the wicked plot that he had devised against the Jews would come upon his own head, and that he and his sons would be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, these days are called Purim, from the word poor. Thus the Jews established and accepted as a custom for themselves and their descendants and all who joined them, that without fail they would continue to observe these two days every year, as it was written and at the appointed time. These days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every family, province, and city. And those days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of those days cease among their descendants. Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, along with the Jew Mordecai, gave full written authority confirming this second letter about Purim. The command of Queen Esther fixed these practices of Purim, and it was recorded in writing. King Ahasuerus laid tribute on the land and on the islands of the sea. All the acts of his power and might and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him, are they not written in the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was powerful among the Jews and popular with his many kindred, for he sought the good of his people and interceded for the welfare of all of his descendants. Wow! What a beautiful ending. Mordecai and Esther declare two days of celebration in an official decree. In this way, they commemorate annually their deliverance and the defeat of their enemies that lasted two full days. Purim 
means lots or dice, which is what Haman used to pick the date for the slaughter of all the Jews in the Persian Empire. Thus, the Feast of Purim, that's poor, plural, commemorates God's intervention and deliverance from the massacre plotted by Haman when he cast the lots, likely to pagan gods to determine the day to slaughter the Jews. The Book of Esther, also called the Megillah, is read twice during the Feast of Purim. Before the Megillah is read, a reader recites three blessings, and all those listening answer Amen. They include, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us concerning the reading of the Megillah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who performed miracles for our forefathers in those days at this time. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this occasion. Isn't that beautiful? When the book of Esther is read, the children boo and hiss at the mention of Haman's name. They even throw popcorn when they hear the word Haman. The feast lasts from sunset one day to nightfall the next. In addition to the entire day of eating and drinking and being merry, the families bring gifts to the poor. They give gifts to each other, and they enjoy eating fruit-filled triangular cookies called hamatashans, or Haman's ears. And they are delicious. They're not super sweet, and they have an interesting flavor. A recipe is available as a bookmarker card on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com. So grab it and try making some hamatashans. In case you didn't notice, the Book of Esther is a book of feasting or banqueting. It begins with a banquet and ends with a feast. Interestingly, the banquets in the book of Esther occur in matching sets and show the reversals. For example, King Ahasuerus gave a banquet for all the officials of Persia, and all in Persia were called to celebrate the Feast of Purim. King Ahasuerus also gave a kingdom banquet celebrating the coronation of Queen Esther, and Persia celebrated Mordecai's promotion with a feast. Esther gave the first banquet for the king, and that fueled Haman's pride. And the second banquet led to Haman's demise. And lastly, the king gave a second banquet for all the people in Susa, and the Feast of Purim was celebrated on a second day by the people in Susa. You know, there is mention of a dream, a memory, and a plot. In Esther chapters 10 through 12, those are the deuterocanonical editions, sometimes labeled A and F. These chapters suggest that Mordecai remembers a dream that foretold God's deliverance relating to the main events in the book of Esther. You can read the additional verses in chapters 10 through 16 of any Catholic Bible or other Bible that includes the Apocrypha. Esther 10 reinforces the theme, for example, God remembered his people and vindicated his inheritance. So in conclusion, the hero of the book of Esther is God. It was God who used the beautiful Esther, who caused the sleeplessness of the king, who brought down Haman, who exalted Mordecai, who kept the Jews from annihilation, and who gave them victory over their enemies. It was God who showed tremendous power on behalf of his people in great reversals, almost like fireworks They came quickly and spectacularly so that people could only attribute the reversals of events to a God in heaven who responds to the cries of his people. The book of Esther shows us joy 
More than any other book in the Bible, Esther records great banqueting, feasting, and gladness. Even the feasts celebrate the turnarounds and triumphs from God. What do we really learn from Esther? We learn of God's faithfulness, His providence, His love for reversals, and His response to His people's prayer, fasting, repentance on behalf of their nation. We learn about the persistence of evil marching against God's people, the spectacular victories of God, and the truth that God can reverse any situation with creative solutions, even beyond all that we could ask or think. Truly, we must and can say with Esther, if I perish, I perish, but I will fulfill my call for this hour, this moment in history, in this place I live, where I am put to serve God and others and to pray for all. This closing chapter of the book of Esther reminds me of the importance of remembering God's goodness. When we remember what God has done for us, we are strengthened in faith. We are inspired to trust. We are encouraged with hope. Psalm 77 tells us this. O Lord, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works, and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. So, Do you and your family set aside time often to remember, joyously celebrate, and thank God for what He has done for you? Do you call upon God to intervene in your life with a miracle and to give you creative solutions when problems come? Do you use gentle leadership and discernment you receive in prayer? Do you realize that God has put you in a position, in a place, at this very time for His purposes? Are you encouraging others that God intervenes in history when His people call out to Him with prayer and repentance and fasting? That you are always an example. That when people observe God's empowerment and reversals in your life, it may lead to conversion. Well, that's it. We've come to the end of our podcast series today. I want you to know I'm so blessed that you have joined the Esther and Turnaround Joy series. You can find bookmarks for this series on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, including a recipe for Haman's ears. They are delicious. It's also in my book, Esther, for such a time as this, Prayer Reversals and Joy. I encourage you to invite others to listen to my Esther podcast and all the turnarounds because it's always available on wrapyourselfinjoy.com or wrapyourselfinjoypodcast.com. Keep In mind that we have a new series coming this summer. It's on the book of Ruth. And that book ends with great joy, too. I hope you will keep listening. Until then, I pray that we all remember the book of Esther. It's a book for such a time as this, for prayer, reversals, and joy. Thanks for joining me today. Please visit me on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, where you can learn more about my books, download free bookmarks, and connect with me. Please follow me on your favorite podcast app and invite a friend to join you too. You can download the show notes from today at wrapyourselfinjoypodcast.com. Until next week, this is your friend, Karen Dwyer, reminding you to wrap yourself in joy. <music>